Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hey there, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's the uh, Monday, April 18th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. I know last Friday I said it was tax day. I was wrong. It's this Friday? It's today. Ah. is tax day. They moved it to Monday the 18th. I, I don't know why. It's always been on the 15th. Probably COVID, right? Yeah, probably. That's probably <laughs> why. So anyway, tax day is today. So now it's too late. So, uh, but big, uh, big weekend of sports behind us. We had so much going on. We had NBA playoff action taking place. We had the tail end of the NHL season continuing on. And we had the kickoff, inaugural weekend of the old USFL coming back in a completely new form, as long as they don't get sued out of existence. Exactly, yes. So, uh, so we've got a few things to talk about today. Let's, uh, let's kind of break things up into the basketball time and the football time. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right, so let's start with the basketball time, and let's start with the NBA playoffs. I know you want to talk about that uh, Nets Celtics matchup, um, and then you probably have some other things you'd like to hit on as well. Yes. Indeed. All right. So let's uh, let's start with the uh, the Nets Celtics game. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup uh, as the playoff matchups go, or that we're expecting to see. Um, it's interesting their seedings uh, because they're what the opposite of the seedings they had last year, uh, and. Uh, certainly the Nets are not the number, like the, the Nets that are playing today are not the same Nets uh, that, uh, that got uh, them into the, into the playoffs and with that lower seeding, right? Yeah, it, this Nets team obviously is without James Harden, but is vastly Which I'm improved. sure they're quite thankful for. <laughs> exactly. But is vastly improved overall because of that trade. Um, and I think this series is going to be one of the best series in the NBA round one, maybe in the entire playoff or the entire playoff other than the finals, because what you get are probably two of the best defensive teams in the East. And it, it used to be the uh, Nets were not a good defensive team. Um, and that was with James Harden. They were one of the worst. They were just up and down completely out of sorts and just super inconsistent. And then you flip the page, they get rid of James Harden, they deal for a bunch of really good defensive guys, and now you get into a situation where you're playing the uh, you're playing the Celtics and you have a really good opportunity to actually probably end up winning or have an opportunity to win the series. I think it's be the Celtics win. But that game was super entertaining on multiple levels, one of those levels being the, the Celtics' ability to finish out that game uh, with that all that ball movement and being able to slip inside uh, of the uh, Nets defense and able to score that bucket the very last possible second, millisecond, honestly, and end up winning that game by just one point. And ultimately, that way that ended is kind of the way all quarters ended. The, 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 they were either tied or the Celtics were up by one point throughout the entire first three quarters, and then they won by one point at the very end. So that was just kind of a testament how the game went. But also, I think it was interesting because during this entire game, uh, they were just the. It was just kind of back and forth. A lot of fouls the entire time. I expect that to be cleaned up in later games. But a lot of fouls, um, a ton of trips to the free throw line as because of those fouls. But I feel like the way this, the reason that this clip or uh, gosh, Celtics team won is because 
of their ability to get rebounds and be very physical inside. And also when they had the hot hand, the entire team was shooting the ball extremely well and knocking down the shots really well and just kind of having success. And that's really when they were able to get a little bit of a lead going. Sometimes they would blow that and let the, uh, this Nets team come back. And I think ultimately the reason the Nets were even in that is Kyrie Irving. I think he's probably the best player on that Nets team. Kevin Durant's pretty close second. He needs to pick up the slack a little bit and play a little bit better. I mean, Kyrie had like 30, over 30 points in that game. Uh, and that was with a pretty hostile crowd uh, as they don't really like the way he left uh, <laughs> left Boston to go to uh, go on his next adventure. Um, but I think it's just going to be a really good series. I really enjoyed a lot of the things that this team, what, a lot of the things that we saw and I think it's just going to continue happening. The one thing I want to see change is the fouls because, like I said, they both went to the free throw line quite a bit amount. And I think ultimately the way the Nets are going to win is if Jay, or if uh, if Kevin Durant plays better than he did in this game and knocks down more shots and just starts to get a little more comfortable, which is going to happen in time. That's why I said this is going to be a seven-game series because I don't think game one is going to determine a sweep or uh, pretty close to a sweep. I think it's going to go to that very last game because I believe the Nets are going to keep fighting. So I think that was probably one of the funnest games of the entire entire weekend. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of other matchups. Uh, and the other ones I want to mention was the Grizzlies and uh, Timberwolves matchup, which I also said was going to go to seven games because I think that matchup is going to be really entertaining. I think that's the second best matchup in the entire playoffs. It started out extremely physical, just going up against each other, just trying to get as much as they can. Uh, John Morant probably was the biggest, uh, did the had the biggest impact in the first chunk of the game than anyone else on the Memphis Grizzlies. Then everyone else kind of kicked in, and then they started getting the three pointers. And both sides just kind of brought this energy that you want from the playoff basketball, and you could really yep. feel it in the atmosphere of yep. that game. Super exciting. And then obviously they're able to. Uh, the Timberwolves, I believe, won that game and started to get a little bit of a drive going and ended up winning that uh, that basketball game. But I think it's going to be a lot closer games down the stretch going the rest of the way, and I think that's going to get as entertaining as possibly can get. But the rest of the games, uh, we called a couple of them sweeps. Uh, so far, those predictions are still looking golden. Um, I think they were pretty obvious sweeps. You want to recap? You want to recap that? Yeah, let me let me go ahead and do that real quick here. Yeah, let's see. The there is a game going on right now, which is the second game. But of the games last night, the Hawks lost to the Miami Heat, which I think uh, I think I said that they the Hawks were going to be able to pull at least one of those out. But then the games that I said were going to sweep were the Bucks and the Bulls. That was a ninety-three to eighty-six loss for the Bulls, a hundred and ten to ninety-nine loss for the Pelicans, which I also said was going to be a sweep. So you're basically saying that the Bulls will not win a game yes. in this series. You're saying the Pelicans will, will not, not win, win a game, game in this series. Not even one. And then the other game, which I said was going to be a sweep, um, was the 76ers-Raptors game. And that was 131-111. to um, And then, like I mentioned, the Timberwolves were able to beat the Grizzlies 130-117. to And then the other game that I wanted to touch on, which is the last thing I want to touch on, was the, was the Jazz-Mavericks game. Because that game came down to the last second, and that was a 99-93 win for the for the Jazz, which is kind of weird because that game never broke 100, which is kind of odd for for basketball games. But I think that game was really entertaining, uh, and I think it's going to be really entertaining to kind of see how it goes from here. Um, there's going to be a lot of you know things that we're going to look at. Luca probably will or will not be back for game two with the calf strain, so that's going to be a, an issue. Um, 
for my prediction one and for um, the the Mavericks two, um, because I think as soon as Luca comes back, I believe the Jazz will lose the rest of the games. But when he's not on the court, that opens a lot of possibilities for the Jazz to pull together some extra wins, because it's not like the, the this Mavericks team is bad by any stretch, but they have so much that they need to work on where they need to be able to win when Luca's not on the court, and that's extremely difficult because everything that Luca brings. So yeah, I think this was a really interesting. Uh, <laughs> slate of basketball games we had this weekend. Those are probably my biggest takeaways. Got it. Awesome. Well, I know it's hard to break yourself away from the NBA talk with so much going on in the playoffs to go talk more football. But of <laughs> course, not only do we have the NFL offseason to talk about, but we also have now the USFL, which is taking place right down the street in Birmingham. Exactly. Uh, where they have all of the teams playing all of their games in the same stadium. Yeah, <laughs> it's peculiar to me how that how that works. That I think it might be. I think you know, like for them, it allowed them to do away with the potential risk of COVID and traveling and all of that stuff. Particularly because they probably did a lot of their planning before they knew exactly what was going to happen probably, with all of yeah. that. And so by keeping it in a single city, they could control some of that for an inaugural season uh, and take travel, you know, kind of off the table. And, uh, and get some economies of scale across, you know, the teams that are playing. Um, so, you know, it's probably to try to minimize the risk of starting up a new league, trying to do things in a way that will allow this league to continue and sustain. Of course, they have a, uh, a, a lawsuit, uh, lawsuit from yeah. the prior owners <laughs> of the USFL saying, hey, you guys can't just take our, you know, brand and our logos and our team names and the whole deal and just roll out a whole new league. <laughs> Uh, you can't do that, even though we're not doing that. Exactly. It's. I think after watching a whole, you know, slate of games other than the game that's on tonight, is I think there's a lot of. I just think they put it in the wrong area. Is my issue because the first night they sold a bunch of tickets, like seventeen thousand people came, and then over Sunday, far fewer than seventeen thousand people came for the rest of the games and we really didn't see an uptick at all. I don't um, think that matters where you then, put if you do if you put it in the way that they did and you put it in a single city, that's gonna happen. But like no matter what. But like put it in Orlando, same put problem. Put it in a football city. Like doesn't matter. That's not a football area, Birmingham. Dude, I mean it is. I mean not really I mean yes, it, it is UAB, but like you you're put wrong that in Alabama or you're wrong. Auburn or something like that. Alabama has no pro football teams. No no no. They have a giant college they have following. A college team. So but this isn't a pro team but I think that thing that's part of the problem. But the other, the other, I mean, I'd like to see more fans personally. But I think the fans will come if the product's any good. I and think they're so, probably waiting to see what happens with the lawsuit. I hope the lawsuit doesn't just shut them down. But I, I don't know if it will. I mean, I'm still waiting to see the results from that lawsuit because I think it's happening today, uh, where we'll actually hear what's going to happen. And tonight, there's obviously the Tampa Bay Bandits against the Pittsburgh team are playing tonight. So that's going to be an interesting one. But I do like a few of the things that they are doing. Yeah, let me ask league. you that. Yeah, like talk about uh, quality of play and talk about maybe some of the innovations. So if you look at the two, I mean, if you look at what you've seen in this league versus what you saw in the XFL, I feel like the XFL was different just because I feel like the, the, the gap between the teams was a little too much in this. I think it's a bit closer where I feel like all the games were relatively in, in about one score for the entire game. And normally they had a chance to come back if they played well enough. So I think that's good. I feel like they're relatively close in between each team. So I don't feel like there's that much of a skill gap between each one. 
I like that. But I also feel like we're lacking the the NFL type plays, if you know what I mean, like the the wow plays that are done to the point where you would say that's professional football. And I think we got all that a little more in the XFL. Um, I, these guys are usually players that were really good in college or were on NFL rosters multiple, multiple years ago. So obviously there's a little bit of a learning curve to get back into the game and start playing at that elite level. We saw a little bit on that, but that was mostly defensively where you saw those really good plays. Um, so I think that's a positive where we can, where there's definitely room for improvement, but I believe these players can do that. And I believe it's going to continue. But like I mentioned with the XFL, I feel like those teams were all consisted of really good quality players that I remember being on NFL rosters or, you know, or or like players that have played on either college like this league, but were closer to playing in college than not. And so you kind of knew who, who these guys were and kind of had a better understanding. And they were making those really good plays and ha- at a consistent level week over week, which made watching the XFL really exciting. Now, obviously this is week one. So I mean, that could, that can improve and that can change, but I think that was something that, that probably leads to the XFL favor. But the things I really like about the league is I like this little like helmet cam idea that they have where it yeah. gives you like kind of perspective of the running back. I think the camera angles are pretty cool. They're experience, experimenting with some pretty cool camera angles that I think should continue and should continue to grow. I like the first down thing they did where they, you can like where it doesn't re- revolve around the, the referee using the st- chains to see yeah. where it is at. So yeah, they put a chip in the ball. So the ball knows when it, has a first down. And it also, the graphic they show is pretty cool where they kind of zoom in on a first down and then show you exactly how many inches off it was. And then they just kind of bring that down to the referees on the field. How quick uh, it was going from, I don't know exactly where the referees are. I don't know if it's New York or not, but wherever they are, two down to the referees, that was split seconds. So they were just getting out of calls. Boom, boom, boom. And they were just making them fast. So I think that's nice. I think I like how there can be, there's not the emphasis on taunting yet, which which is nice. There's not so lots be of taunting going on. One guy was smack talking another guy on the field yeah. and he wasn't even playing. If he did that in the NFL, <laughs> okay. he would probably be fined a bunch of money for doing that and probably flagged too. But that's not really happening here. So I think those are all positives. I like the ability to have the three-point play and the two-point play and the field goal. I think those are all going to be helpful in the long run. And then also there, I like how they are adjusting the kick to be a little bit closer together to kind of stop the injuries but I think there's there's a lot of stuff they need to work on I think the players are just going to get better week over week over week um, because they do have that experience in their background so they're just going to continue to execute on that so I mean they it's a league that could succeed with time and with just buying from the fans and players Um, if they can get both of those and kind of create the perfect mixture and obviously not get shut down from (laughs) from the lawsuit yeah which is a big if because I think they're probably going to lose a lawsuit because obviously it's illegal to take (laughs) names that you didn't pay for. But I also think that shouldn't be the reason why they stop because I believe, and I talked about this on a previous podcast where I mentioned they should do, they should, if they have to change the names, they should let the fans be involved with picking the names for the teams. They shouldn't just completely scrap everything and just say, okay, this league isn't going to work. The other issue I see is the XFL and this league from they're both spring leagues they're mm-hmm. both this kind of second chance league so they're going to be and what obviously this has a year advantage over the XFL but the XFL doesn't have a lawsuit against them and they have that they just bought from the other guys so i figure they have all those same permits for all the same fields and everything so now 
if the USFL wants to switch from one stadium to a bunch of stadiums around the around the league and around the uh, America and stuff, they're gonna have to fight. How much, yeah, how much crossover is there between the USFL cities and the XFL cities? As far okay, so I will. That's a good question. And maybe a, maybe it's a topic to, for another podcast. That's a topic. I'll need to look that up. But. Where we could compare. But, um, but yeah, that's a valid point. There's lots of college stadiums in a lot of these cities, too. And that might be, you know, a potential, a potential avenue. But certainly, if you've got the XFL going up against the USFL, now you're taking that market and you're splitting it up uh, and between two and and it really hurts either i don't either think it hurts leagues, xfl i think it hurts either league's ability to get going because you're going to be you know you're both trying to basically do the same thing at the exact same time at the exact same time of the year and that's where i think the 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 semi-partnership with the nfl where the nfl and them are kind of you know because they're going to be experimenting rules a little bit in the xfl and they're kind of partnering up a little bit with the NFL. Plus the backing that the uh, XFL has is a group of millionaires. And then they got Fox for the USFL. So that's, I don't know if there's an advantage there, but I think the NFL thing that they have in that experience experience already. And the XFL already played like three or four, maybe five weeks of games. And they had tons of people buy season tickets and everyone wants to go and they're to have reasonably good prices. So they're going to be able to use the prices to pay for games. $10, for a ticket is not going to be able to help sustain this league for the long run. They're going to have to jack those prices up. So now when the US, when the XFL starts and the USFL are starting and they're going against each other, there's going to be that certain headbutting a little bit. And for me, I think personally, I think I would think the the XFL would come out triumphant over the USFL um, for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. Um, but I think that, I think if they can get past this lawsuit, it's just going to be a really hard road for them to continue to have a spring league and just be the only one because the XFL is also going to be breathing down their neck starting next season. So, yeah, I'm skeptical of any of these spring leagues, XFL, USFL, AFF, whatever. Uh, I'm skeptical of any of them because none of them have been able to uh, to survive. Every time they've been tried, they fail for various reasons. Everyone wants to try it. Uh, I'm certainly like, into the idea, I think that I like it a lot. I yeah. think that it's it's a it's a good thing, um, particularly if there's a relationship with the NFL. I kind of think that has to be an ingredient ha- yeah. involved in this in order for it to be successful. Is you need the support of the NFL. I don't think the NFL is really into uh, into really really backing one of these leagues. Oh no, they're not going to go like push and your money so, against or anything. You know, but... it, well, it's more than just money. It's money, but it's also other things. But. Um, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I would love to see something happen where one of these leagues actually works out. I definitely think having two of them start up at the same time and try to compete with one another isn't going to help that that end uh, that end goal of getting a sustainable spring league in place. But as you say, we will uh, we will keep on watching. We'll keep on paying attention, and we'll we'll see what happens. So the NFL draft is now ten days away. Yes, that's pretty exciting. Let's talk a little NFL uh, free agency, if we could. Um, let's start with the Browns, who are spending money like crazy. And and when I say spending money, I'm talking about big time guaranteed money. Um, they currently have $340 million in guaranteed money that they've given out this offseason, nearly $100 million more than any other team. Are they putting themselves into a bad situation here? <laughs> I mean, 
they've yeah, like you said, they've been spending a ton of money, and one of them is on Deshaun Watson, which makes sense for your franchise quarterback to get money. But then you're also paying a quarterback that ridiculous sum of money as well. I mean, you have to look at the climate of everyone and like all these wide receivers want all this money. You're going to have to pay Nick Chubb. You're going to pay pay Hunt. You're going to have to pay Donovan's Peoples Jones. You're going to have to pay all of these guys a ton of money over the next few seasons to keep them on your roster. And now you're spending all this money on just a cornerback and just Deshaun Watson. You kind of just start to wonder what their plan is come contract re- uh, extensions, re-signs, all that stuff that comes into all of this. And I think they need to be careful because they're going to have to, if they draft anyone, they're going to have to pay them rookie deals. If, like I said, if they need to resign anyone, they're going to have to pay them a ton of money because of what the climate is for any player at this point. We have three uh, wide receivers uh, that are refusing to re- report to voluntary workouts or any of that stuff because they want a big contract deal. So you don't want to just blow all your money on these guys. Yes, I get they're really good football players, and Deshaun Watson makes more sense because he would not have come if he hadn't paid them that much money. But he was already on your roster. So you kind of have to look at these variables that they're just throwing money around. They're going to have to be careful because the people say the cap isn't real, but it is. It, you can work around it pretty easily, but it's still a thing, and you still have to watch how much money you're paying. I mean, $100 million more than any other team, that means you're pushing that cap space, and you're just making that closer and closer. They're probably in the red at some point. I mean, relatively close to now. So, And they got to figure out I mean, what they're going to do if they're going to try to trade back in the draft to try to make sure they are able to pay less money for all their draft choices or what they're going to do, but it would be a shame to see them lose players over over deals that they're making right now because any deal has lasting influence on any deal you can make in the future. And I just think this this climate of money that teams are throwing at players is just going to push the mountain of money up to a to a peak. And I don't see where that peak's going to end because teams are willing to satisfy these all-star players' wants and no one's really able to say, no, we can't pay that. I feel like the salary cap, though, sort of guarantees that there's a top to that mountain at some point. It has to hit at some point, but teams are willing to get rid of players, and other teams are willing to sign those players. So even if you're like, I can't pay that because of, obviously, salary cap or any of that stuff, another team will be like, okay, we'll pick them up, and then they pay that one, and then now these other teams still have to pay that much money because, and it's just a big cycle that could be very catastrophic and i think where where we're going to end up going and what's going to end up happening our teams are not going to keep veteran players for long and we're going to see a lot more teams just cycle through guys and just draft them play the four-year deal and then let them go and then just do that over and over and over again maybe keeping one or two guys they believe can be staples for long term especially a wide receiver running back uh, position players like that they're just they're going to have to be doing this cycle because at some point it's just going to be too much money and then that will crash down the market a little bit keep things at normal and then we'll kind of get back to where we are right now and we'll see what happens after that but this just this model is not sustainable for what is going to happen for the NFL unless they allow more of a cap space and that's just going to further the problem and on and on we go. Well, they so. keep pushing the they keep just kind of slightly pushing that cap up. Um, but one thing is uh, is clear. It seems like the Browns think that their chance to win is is now, is yes. now and let's go uh, let's go get it done. And I don't care if we spend a ridiculous amount of money. If they trying don't win, there. if they do not get into the playoffs first, that's a problem because of all the money they spent. And if they don't get all the way at least to the conference final 
they're also in trouble of being considered a bust because when you spend that much money, there's an extreme amount of pressure on your yeah, football you team you to win now, especially by your own. The owner is not going to look at the GM, all that stuff. So you got to get far and you have to get to the playoffs. Otherwise, failure season. Yep. Indeed. So Mike Florio has a, a little piece out there on uh, pro football talk uh, saying, uh, could this be the first draft with no QB running back wide receiver or tight end taken in the top 10? What do you think? Um, I don't think that's accurate. I mean, when you look at the draft order, you got Jacksonville number one, you got Detroit Lions number two, you got Houston number three, you got New York number four. Giants number five, six is Carolina, seven, New York again, which they traded for the Bears, Atlanta, Seattle, and New York. Those are your top 10 picks. And I think a lot of those guys are going to go defensively. But if the Jacksonville Jaguars are smart, they'll go wide receiver or, t- or I don't think they need tight end or running back because they already are fine in those positions. But I think t- I think probably tight end and wide receiver are the two t- spots they need help because the, their wide receivers are, if you watch last season, they did terrible other than Marvin Jones, did awful at holding onto the football and catching the football. They need to replace those guys with guys that are really good vertical threats that can make plays and have success. They desperately need that. There's no way I believe that they should be going defensively, at least in the first uh, with their number one overall pick. They need to be giving Trevor Lawrence weapons to play to have success and start winning football games. Defensively, you can do that in later rounds and still be fine. There's going to be guys for you in any round. I mean, you even have the first pick in the second round. So, I believe they need to be going wide receiver first because those wide receivers are just going to go off the board really quickly after the number 10 pick. If we're saying we're not going to go in the number for the first 10 picks, they're going to go after that. There's just no way that's going to happen. I mean, Carolina, I don't see why they wouldn't go quarterback if they need help with the quarterback position and they're looking around and they can't find a guy and they're obviously in desperate need of another guy. I'd say that they need to get into a position where they draft a quarterback. Um, Atlanta, Yes, they need another wide receiver. I mean, they lost Julio a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, the question is, though, I mean, now they are they going to find the quality of player in the first round yes. where it makes sense to go take that player in the first round versus waiting until later in the draft and going and finding quality downstream in the draft? I think that'd be the wrong move because the, wa- the wide receivers that are coming in this draft class are top you know, 32 picks, okay. but they're definitely top 15 picks. You let them slide, they're take, getting picked. There's just no way they're going to be sl- sliding down second, third round guys. There's just, they're not going to be in that position. And if you look at Atlanta, like I was saying, I mean, they lost Julio, they lost Russell Gage, and, and now Kevin Ridley won't be playing. He's suspended. So you lose your top three guys, and now you're saying we won't draft a wide receiver to, to fill up those gaps. I mean, John Mechie's now going to be in the draft. The guy out of Alabama was a complete problem for defenses and a great vertical threat and could fit in Atlanta's offense pretty decently. So the fact that this could be the first draft where a wide receiver, quarterback, tight end does not get drafted in the top 10 is shocking to me because there's so many holes and areas they need to fix and, and, and improve that I think Jacksonville is probably one of the only teams that needs a wide receiver and needs to go in that position. And plus, the tight ends are also super stacked. I remember watching the pro day and seeing five guys that are top, you know, 32 picks that if they let them slide, I mean, you go defensively, okay, fine, you maybe fix that up for for that portion. But then you look you look up and you're saying to yourself, we need another wide receiver. We need to help in this position. You already went through free agency. And yes, you kind of made deals to try to make get a couple guys. I mean, maybe Jacksonville probably may go tight end. I don't know. But I just feel like there's these situations where – 
I think probably Jacksonville is probably the least likely out of those few teams that I just mentioned to go for these guys. Probably go defensively because of the offseason moves they've made. But those other teams desperately need them. And I would be shocked personally if I was watching and there's not a wide receiver going in at least the first, you know, five, six, seven picks. I mean, I just feel like that is very hard to believe. Yeah. Hey, real quick, just a a bit of a, a, a I guess it's not even late breaking because this happened on uh, on Friday. I think we just missed it. The uh, the courts did rule in the USFL case. Whoa, I thought it was the 18th. Yeah, it was supposed to be today, but it happened last week. Um, and the judge ruled that the uh, the new USFL can continue on with the names and logos, uh, or rather Fox can continue to use them. Um, there may be a longer-term uh, judgment coming as the case gets prosecuted kind of on a longer-term basis. Uh, but with this preliminary injunction, um, the judge declined to hear it, which allowed Fox to uh, will, will allow Fox to continue forward until such time as they lose something bigger. So there you go. USFL wow. will continue for now that's with kinda, same names. <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah, likely there's going to be some sort of trademark infringement coming downstream. Yeah, that can't last forever. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to probably pay some sort of... Uh, pay, they'll, yeah, they'll have to pay like sure. a licensing fee or whatever to use it. But we'll see what happens. But for now, they are able to keep uh, keep things moving. Okay. So there well. you go. Um, let's talk about the situation in San Francisco for a minute. Rumors have it, uh, according to the Bleacher Report, that uh, Trey Lance is uh, getting indications that he will be the starter next year. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, Honestly, I think this might have something to do with a star wide receiver wanting his money, Uh and they don't want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo a bunch of money because they need to pay a certain wide receiver some money. So I think it's one of those things where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on a new team come i mean obviously the shoulder is why no one wants to you know take that leap at jimmy garoppolo but there's multiple teams that he, he could go to and makes perfect sense to go to seattle being one of them carolina being another uh where where it makes sense and i think it's one of those things that we're gonna have to figure out how, how that goes but i think just debo samuel needs the money and trey lance is still on his rookie deal second year of that deal, he adds as an extra dimension to this 49ers team, which I think is going to help them as they get deeper into the playoffs. I think they probably will take a little bit of a step back, but if they have Debo on this team, I think it helps take a little bit of that burden, if you will, off of Trey Lance and and puts it onto him, which is going to be helpful because Debo's a a um, professional and he's been in the league. He's a veteran guy. This team is in perfect position to take over right now in the NFC. I believe they're in perfect position. This is going to take a little bit of a step back, but it's the type of curve that they need to take now when they're ahead, because in the next couple of years, this NFC is going to become restacked maybe even this season. And now's the perfect time to get Trey Lance on his feet when other teams are also in that situation where they're kind of figuring out their identity, figuring out everything they need to put together to get into a situation where they can start winning football games. So putting him in makes absolute perfect sense. He was said kind of, he was kind of told unofficially that he's going to start. So that's kind of trending towards that direction. Probably hear something after the draft, but yeah, I think this probably has a lot to do with a they need they want to get Jimmy Garoppolo off the roster and they want to get Trey Lance ready but b it's also just a matter of money and they know that Debo is not going to be coming back to play 
uh, for them if they do not give him the due money that he thinks he is worth. And like I mentioned, that will force <laughs> the money gap even higher. But I think it's the perfect position just for a full picture, big picture situation here. Absolute right call. I like it. All right, listeners, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Uh, without you, there's no reason to do a podcast. Uh, I'm not sure where you get your news, uh, your sports news and information, but I'd like to make a plug for you to head over to uh, umyasports.com, umyasports.com, where we curate the latest news and information from across the internet so that you don't have to go visit hundreds of sites. You just come to one place and it's all there for you. Uh, Listeners, we also appreciate you listening to the podcast as well. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, and that'll, that'll let us know that you're out there, and that'll get you the latest episodes as soon as they are available. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on Wednesday. Yes. See ya. Yeah. God bless.